TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Pull up a rock by the campfire. It's time for that paleo show with your hosts, Sarah Stewart, Steve Hayter, and the man with no shoes, Brett Hill. And I'm Brett Hill. Wow, what an amazing day we've had here at Primal Collective Cave Camp Queensland. We are pumped. We've uh, been climbing up rock walls. We've been abseiling. We've been eating amazing food from the Marriott Makers. We've had Mindset Mastery from Steve Hayter. Brett, what have you done today? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think he coerced us to eat some crickets, actually. He, he lies. And we also got a, a pretty uh, special insight with some, uh, some books that you shared as well, How to Eat an Elephant, which is pretty awesome. Did you like it? Yeah. Awesome. Well, we are thrilled to have a couple of amazing guests on the show who we actually met, quite fittingly, at uh, our first cave camp. And these guys are so awesome. So we jumped at the chance to have them here with you today. So welcome to the show, Mark and Leah Follett. Hello. Now, these guys, as I said, are superstars. We wanted to invite them on to share with us, because paleo is great, and there's lots of information out there, but what do you do once you've got the information? How do you make it work for you in your daily life? How do you take it home and make it happen? So that's what we're going to talk to them all about today. Uh, And I know we do have some questions. So perhaps while we get our our first uh, audience member to come up and prepare their question, might ask Mark and Leah, or Mark, how did you discover paleo? Uh, It was interesting because we didn't start off doing paleo. We just started off doing healthy living and it turned out that that most aligned with paleo and then we found out about paleo actually through reading some books and understanding what it was and then going well that that's actually what we're doing it's very similar to what we're doing with our lives so it wasn't that we started off doing paleo it's just that's where we went to that's awesome so it's a natural evolution and, and Leah I know you've seen some huge changes in your family can you tell us a little bit about you know what your transition to a different lifestyle has done and meant for you all um, yeah so our kids were very sensory when it comes to light sound touch Um, They were always really busy or really sick. They didn't communicate well, um, but all that's fallen by the wayside. The more effort we've put in with the food and all the other different modalities of health, um, the better the results have been. That's really exciting. Awesome, guys. We're so pleased to have you. Let's kick it off with some questions. So, Tony. Hi, guys. Doing some great work. Um, My question's for uh, for Brett. Nice. Um, Look, I'm like at our own health food store. Um, access to some great products. Um, Cave Camp's been awesome and it's, been, it's given me some great tools um, and it's answered a lot of my questions. Um, I've rung up my wife tonight to let her know to clean out the pantry when I'm coming home. <laughs> um, I'd like to know what the biggest challenge was for you to adapt into the paleo lifestyle and um, how did you overcome this? Yeah, okay. You know, it's it's a tough one because I guess there's there's so many different little challenges that come up along the way. You know, there, there's lots of just little hurdles, and I guess for me, I've I've never really seen them as massive challenges because I've just taken it like, literally one step at a time. And so, 
and, and I've been quite, I guess, easy on myself. You know, I've allowed myself to do it over a long period of time. So for me, it's probably happened over 10 or 15 years. And, and I've only sort of made those challenges, I guess, when I was ready to make those challenges and when I decided that that's what I wanted to do. Yep. And so for me, it, it's never been about doing something because I felt like I had to do it. It's always been doing something because I felt like I wanted to do it or even better, I would love to do it. And so for me, it hasn't been a, a succession of huge challenges like I know it can be for other people. But you know, if I had to pick one thing and say it was the biggest challenge, it was probably my mates. <laughs> so um, particularly for me, like I, I sort of, uh, I moved state. So I was studying my chiropractic degree and I moved state from Adelaide to Sydney. And over that three or four years I was living in Sydney, I went through a huge change. And, and that involved changing the way I ate, changing the way I exercised, changing the fact that I no longer drank alcohol, which was probably the biggest challenge my mates had when I got back. Yeah. And so after three or four years, I came back to the same old mates that I'd always had, You know, many of whom were actually doctors, uh, who were quite conservative about their approach to health and diet and all those sort of things, and, and pretty Western in terms of what they ate and how they exercised and that sort of stuff. And, and for them, it was a big challenge. Because all of a sudden, their mates come back, and why aren't you drinking beer? You know, and, and I literally had a mate who, every time we went out for at least the first 12 months, bought me a beer every single time and put it down in front of me because he was convinced I was just like denying myself you know I was self uh, you know self punishing or whatever he thought it was and that that, you know eventually I was just going to snap out of it and return to normal you know and so probably for me it was the mates was was dealing with that and I guess the way I overcome that was just understanding where they were coming from understanding what they were all about and, and not feeling like I needed to do anything about that. You know, it wasn't my job to change them. Yes. My job was just to do what I wanted to do, to do what worked for me. And I never really tried to convince them of it. I just said, well, look, this is what I'm doing. It works for me. And left it at that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and sometimes they would then have questions about it. And if they did, that was great. And I'd answer them. But most of the time they didn't. Um, and in fact, it's only been more recently as they've started to get older and a bit more portly and often a bit sicker <laughs> that they've started to, you know, get more injuries when we're playing indoor cricket together, that they've started to say, hey, what are you doing differently? What are you eating? What are you, you know? And so as much as it was a challenge, it was also just a learning of, well, I can't make people change. I can't make people do stuff just to sort of step back and, and let it happen and, and lead by example, I guess, was, was my solution to that. Yep. Yeah, oh, that's great. That answers my <clears throat> one of my other questions. So, um, <laughs> cool. I hope my mates are listening tonight. Awesome. <laughs> nice. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tony. Cheers, that's a great question and um, one that we get a lot. So it's good that we can get it out there and, and get people thinking. And I think that is exactly the key to um, you know leading a lifestyle that, that you're wanting to live and share. Lead by example. So while our um, next uh, question. Uh, person giver my goodness me (laughs) ask her yeah um comes up i'm actually going to ask uh, this question here's from jamie and i'm going to direct it at you mark so i would like to know or jamie would like to know since the last cave camp uh, jamie asked the question how could we shift paleo into the mainstream Uh, in the last five months pete evans has certainly done this how can we now influence our government to recognize a paleo way yeah, I think that's a really good question. It's probably something that everyone that's involved in paleo really needs to understand an answer to, and they probably everyone's got their own answer to. Um, the way I see it, the only way to really achieve that is to do what Pete's done and lead by example. And, and it's just go up there and say, this is me, this is what I do. And then you, you'll find that because of the strength that comes with eating this type of food and living this kind of lifestyle, other people will just follow you and, and naturally follow you as a leader. And I think that's, that's pretty, pretty much the only way it's going to happen. I don't really think 
um, because of the money trail involved, that um, governments are going to just change the guidelines. I think what's, it's going to be a groundswell based on people that are going to have to lead other people, and it's going to be a, something that the community does. Yeah, and, and I would reinforce that. You know, I've seen the same thing happen actually within chiropractic as a profession, and they've sort of taken the approach of saying, well, we're going to try and influence things politically, and you know, you're never going to have as many political lobbyists as the people you're competing against. <laughs> you know, you're never going to have the same amount of money, you're never going to have that same amount of political influence to sway votes or donations or any of those things that are going to change that. And and so really, it is people power. You know, at the end of the day, if you want to change the government what will get them to change is feeling like if they don't change, they might get voted out. And that's literally what will get them to change, or that they might get voted in. And so um, I think you're spot on, mate. Yeah, and so exciting to see all of that in the media and, and the fact that, you know, it's getting out there, people are talking about it. That's what we want, that momentum towards the paleo way. Renee, what's your question? Thanks for the chance to ask you a question in person, and it's for you, Sarah. How do you balance your paleo commitments with your social commitments? Oh, awesome question. I love it. So for me, it's been a a fine art and lots of learning along the way. Um, Early on, I used to think, oh, you know, once in a while out with my mates, I'll do what they're they're doing. Um, However, my body very quickly told me... um, what worked and what didn't and let me tell you uh, champagnes uh, on a Friday night do not work for Sarah. So what I ended up doing is planning ahead. So if I knew that I was going out uh, for some sort of social occasion that involved food I'd try and find out where I was going, suss out the menu in advance and make a plan and that way it took the anxiety away from looking at the menu and all the items that I thought I wanted because I already have my choice made so it's clear cut but something else that's really exciting and it's probably a little bit sneaky of me but what I actually tried to do was influence how I caught up with my friends so I tried to move it away from uh, food uh, centric catch up so I'd say hey you know it's awesome uh, weather let's go for a beach walk or I'd love to see your new house you've just built try and move it away from that food or I'd take food with me so that's how I approach that I hope that answers your question Renee Awesome. And um, I'm really keen to actually flick the same question over and ask Leah, um, have you got anything to add about how you deal with, because I know you've got the uh, addition of children um, and, and socialising as well, and I know that brings a whole new element to it when you've got kids' parties and, and all of that kind of thing. What, what do you do? How do you approach that as a family? Um, well, we're really lucky that we, we've got friends that support us, so it all comes back to community. Um, for us, they are aware of what we prefer to eat and will often give us a heads up Um, there's always going to be another option there and it is a birthday party and if it does happen and they have something that they wouldn't normally then that's fine and you just keep moving on the next day and it's all a learning curve so however sick or messy the kids are the next day they're learning and that they can attribute their health and directly what they've eaten to how their behavior is the next day so you know from that that party and that moment that they enjoyed they've got ramifications as well. So they're learning to, to read their body and listen to themselves. That's so powerful. And Brett, I know you do a lot of um, work around instilling those types of behaviours with, with your kids. And I love I love it when we're out in the park and, and we're all playing and you talk to Tom and, uh, and Charlotte about, you know, these carrots and helping them to jump. How do you approach it? Like, what are the conversations? What do they sound like? Well, I guess, you know, the conversations I have with my kids, it's really all about teaching my kids to love doing stuff. 
you know, I, I, once again, as I sort of said about myself and my journey, it's not about having to do stuff, it's about loving to do stuff. And so my whole goal with my kids and, in fact, with everyone that I work with is to, to show them how doing this stuff is going to help them get what they want. Because at the end of the day, it's not about what I want. It's not about what I think is important. You know, I might think avoiding chronic disease is important. They might not care, you know. And so it's about figuring out, well, what's important to them, whether that's playing golf, whether that's playing in the garden. Or, you know, with my kids, it's like just running fast or jumping high or being able to climb up to the top of the pyramid or being able to put together awesome Lego. Or, you know, like Tom at the moment, he's kind of got this little obsession with building a flying car. Don't tell him I told you that because he thinks that he's the only person ever to think of this idea to build a flying car. And so it's kind of a secret between us that we're not allowed to tell anyone. So don't tell anyone. Um, But he's got this idea he's going to build a flying car. So I talked to him about how, you know, how going to school and learning and how eating the right foods and doing the right exercise is going to help fuel his brain so that he's going to create the most creative, most amazing, coolest flying car. And and that works. Like so it's it's just about figuring out what your kids love, like what motivates your kids, what fires them up, what are they passionate about, and then showing them and and it's completely truthful. Like you don't have to stretch the truth because it's not hard to show them that you know, and to explain to them that eating well and exercising and all these things are going to help their brain, they're going to help their body, they're going to help their moods, they're going to help their you know everything. And so, you know, my son now will like go to a cafe and his mother-in-law will take him to the cafe and, and go to buy him chips. And he says, well, I don't want the chips because they'll make me tired and grumpy. Because wow. you know, he gets it and he knows. And, and that's the other thing we do with him is I demonstrate it to them. I talk to them about it. You know, if they do happen to eat some stuff that's less than ideal, I go, how are you feeling? What have you noticed? Or if they do eat something great, how are you feeling? What have you noticed? Have you noticed you've got so much energy? Have you noticed how much like happier you've been today? And so we talk about how they feel afterwards as well. So it's all about not what make, how the food makes you feel as you're eating it, but how it makes you feel after and ongoing into the rest of your life. And I think that's really important too. Yeah, and links back to exactly what Leah was saying about consequences as well. Um, one of the things I was going to sort of link together the, the, the last couple of questions there about being a leader and, that, and, and also how you mix with your, with your social life is um, what, one thing that we do, I guess it sort of ha- happened by accident, but now we kind of do it on purpose sometimes, is we invite people around for dinner and they're curious about what we're eating and what we're doing with our kitchen because our fridge doesn't look like anyone else's fridge or maybe some of the people here, but <laughs> um, you know, the things that we have in our house, we don't have a microwave dehydrator instead and all this sort of stuff and, and people see unusual things, they start asking questions and, and it's through those questions and the answers we can give people um, when they come over for dinner and, and socialise with us then that's how we can lead them and, and show them that we live a bit differently but it's, it's a, a fresher, healthier food that we eat and, and the way that we do things is... is and that's not hard. It's not, it's hard. not hard. It's sustainable and cheaper. Yeah, man. I'm just so excited because I think not only does all of that link together, but a question from Jamie about how we can influence our government. Well, I'm really excited because your children are the next upcoming generation and potential leaders. So we can influence uh, the government directly by you know, bringing up wonderful leaders who are educated and know about consequences as well. They're already teaching the other kids, aren't they, Leah? <laughs> <laughs> Ahead of the game. Yeah. Sometimes you sort of just go, no, come on, you can't say that. No, it's not correct. Off your soapbox just for a second. <laughs> you can't say that. Secretly high-fiving behind the back. Yeah, yeah. When we get home, it's positive reinforcement all the way. I love that you said that, but you're not maybe right next to that child's mother. Yeah. So, yeah. Excellent. I love that. And about leadership there, Mark, you know, 
Um, someone much, much wiser than me once said, good leadership is about showing people where to look but not what to find. And I think that's really applicable in that situation as well. So um, we had a, a question from Julie for Leah. Um, we're really lucky to have uh, Leah um, on the show because uh, she's just been going gangbusters and she is a coach and has this wealth of knowledge that she's now deciding to share with everybody. And she's actually working with our mate the, and the sensational and authentic uh, Joe Witten uh, with an upcoming podcast as well, which uh, uh, is very exciting. So watch definitely watch that space and check it out. Jump online and like Leah follow on Facebook. She's fantastic. But this question uh, comes from Julie Leah. She says, what tips could you give to people to maintain a good mindset and long-term longevity? Okay, so firstly, I love community. So making sure you've got people that are moving and people that are ahead of you and ahead of just, you know, just a few steps of where you are now. So you've always got someone ahead of you to aspire to be. Um, Keep learning, listening, um, lots and lots of conversations. Um, Yeah, that's all I can really, you know, like if you fall off the horse, you can always get back on. Um, Find the thing within the paleo lifestyle that you're really good at and make that your your goal and share that with everyone else so it's an an immersion and a learning experience for everybody as well. That's amazing. And I think being open about your experiences and your learning as well, I think for me personally, there's nothing more off-putting than having someone that, you know, is just the the be-all and and, and know-all. Yeah, including your failures. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, had some absolute doozies. Like... I love making pemmican and I decided that I needed to turn it into a sweet dessert bar and, you know, added the pemmican, which is essentially ground up uh, beef jerky, which I turned into a flour-like consistency. Then I add it with tallow and I got a bit fancy and decided I was going to start adding figs and cinnamon and chocolate and cacao butter and, and that sort of stuff. And it was just a disaster. Um, and I thought it was amazing because I came up with that concept and it was, you know, I was really happy, but I fed it to everyone that came to our house. They were so happy at me because, you know, like Mark was saying, oh, this is rubbish, you can't, you know. But yeah, I did, I gave it to everyone and everyone was like, it's a chocolate bar. I'm like, yeah, and they're like, it tastes like meat. So now when people come to my house, they're just like, what's in it? How did you prepare it? You know, like there's a lot of questions. So, and wow. now Brett's telling me about, you know, the... the is it cricket protein? Yeah. Cricket yeah. flour? Mm. I think I found my new recipe. Oh. I think I'm going to start immersing that in. It's going to be good. Awesome. Oh. I can't wait to hear and Crickets potentially taste and how that and goes. And chocolate. I just, oh, you know, it's a what story. What could you want? Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone wow. have a packaging company? Because, you know, like, a little bit of help here. Oh, man. Well, before we get too cray, or it may have already happened, I'm going to uh, direct over to Amy now. Um, what's your question? Uh, this question's actually on behalf of my uh, Mind and Cleanse Meetup group. We don't have kids ourselves. And just linking back to what you guys were saying before, I'd love to ask on behalf of the many, many parents in our Sunshine Coast Meetup group, what is your advice for parents that know instinctively that they need to make changes in their household for themselves and, and their kids? Don't necessarily have maybe, maybe major illnesses, but just need to get healthier. What is your best advice um, for, for yeah, parents starting out who maybe have a bit of knowledge on paleo and don't know, quite know how to get it right into the family. Get in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, oh, Take oh. the kids to the kitchen. Take them grocery shopping. Make sure that they know the paddock to plate and how to get it from A to B and then how to prepare it. And do it as a family. Mm, that's cool. So it's not so much a chore as it is, you know, like it's, it's kinship. Mm. Yeah, more interaction together. 
Yeah, and I think um, Brett was saying before about taking it in steps the way he did it, and also the um, also his, his book How to Eat an Elephant is, is one bite at a time, and, and, and taking little steps. Start, and like one thing we always say is start with water, and, and oh, yes. try and get the best clean water that you can. Get get a get a water filter. Just take that as your first step. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of chemicals and things that have to go into water, and that's really important because you need to keep the water clean, but then the other end, you can actually take those things out because you don't really want to drink them. So we always say to people, the first step really is to filter your water and get good quality water. But just to take those little steps one at a time, maybe it might take a week to implement that one change, or it might take a month to implement that change. And then when you're comfortable with that and the way that's working, look for the next challenge. Um, that's great. You know, the other thing I'll add into that, and, and that's exactly what I say, you know, the, the one bit at a time, definitely, the starting with water, definitely, I always like to start with, and, and, and it's about adding things in first, rather than focusing on what you need to take away, so really focus on what you can add into your kid's diet, and, and just try everything, like there's, because, you know, if you look within a paleo framework, there's heaps of different stuff that you can try, there's so many different vegetables, fruits, and meats, and nuts, and seeds, and all sorts of different stuff, and so I just said, just try different stuff until you find something that your kids will, will work with, that they'll eat. And I don't care if you keep the same thing every single night because that's the only one they'll eat. You know, just get started. But then the other thing I say to them is keep trying because kids change all the time and their ch- tastes change all the time. And particularly as they start to evolve into a more of a primal paleo diet, then their tastes are really going to start to change and they'll start to evolve to like and different tastes and flavours and different stuff. So it's, it's really a matter of keep trying. You know, they didn't like mushroom this week, that's okay. Let's try it again next week. Let's try it again in a month's time. Try it again in a year's time. Try to, just keep trying it because eventually it'll work and they'll kind of go, okay, that's all right now. And you know what? They might start liking that and they'll stop liking something else. And so you just play around with it a little bit again. But just keep trying with your kids. Never give up on them because they're constantly changing and evolving. And the more you can just one bite at a time introduce little bits, then the more they'll change and then the more little bits you can jump in there as well. Um, a big thing that we found with our, our kids in particular was when introducing a new food group, um, it didn't matter how it got in as long as it got in. So we would throw lettuce on a plate and, you know, like it's hard to get on a fork and at the end of the day the kid is tired. So what do we all do? We all sit there and eat like rabbits. So, you know, like we eat like pigs and we all eat, do and, and eat the way the animal did and we turn it into a fun thing. And at least the lettuce is going in or at least the broccoli is going in. It's not pretty. It's a lot of fun. It's really messy. It'll be fun when they go to restaurants. Yeah, because we actually still do it at the restaurant. It's no holds barred. As long as those veggies are going in, as long as the meat's going in, as long as they're enjoying themselves, it doesn't matter. You just get it in. And the the other thing that is really important is how you talk to your kids about it. Like, you see so many parents going up to kids going, well, you're not going to like this, but why don't you try it anyway? Wow, that's a great start, right? (laughs) So you've got to go up to them and go, hey, I've got this amazing stuff, you know, we call it like Shrek juice and it's cool and it's bright green and you are going to love it. Like this is going to be, I reckon, your next favourite thing. About have it. a crack yeah. at this, you know. Yeah. Or it's like this broccoli is the best. You wait and see how fast this is going to make you run. This is the coolest stuff on the planet. It's got so much good stuff in it. Let's have a go. So being mindful and so of the wording that they give. The wording is huge. How excited they get. So important. Yeah. That's cool. And not lying to them. Don't yeah. try and yeah. hide food inside food. They, yeah. wonder they have that. to be able to see it. Like when you go to the shops and you're trying to make a good food choice for your family, you want to be able to see what's in the packet. Yeah. If you can't isolate and identify what those ingredients are, 
you know, chances are it's not going to be great for you anyway. So getting the kids to, you know, to see what they're having and, yeah, okay, they're mushrooms, but, okay, if they don't like them cooked, then give them raw, then, you know, have them as a soup. So try them in all those different forms, but be honest with them. Mm. You know, you don't want them doubting their intuitive self. Yeah. That's fantastic advice, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Amy. I guess that's the the joy of having a a paleo community, which um, I feel very privileged to have expanded um, at this cave camp as well. You know, I know I've got some extra lifelong friends now that we can all bounce off of and and share share together forever as well. My question uh, is for Leah. Um, So, Leah, you homeschool. And um, my my question, and obviously it's not going to be a solution that's suitable for everyone, my question is, um, what, what was your choice behind that, uh, that, that, that led to that decision? And then also, um, you have a really wonderful way of fostering the creativity in your children, I find. Like, your son has a wild imagination and an artistic talent to match it, I think. And, you know, he's 10 years old. And you're talking about, you know, going out there and finding places that will do an art exhibition to yeah. show, you know, his stuff and things like that. So I'm really curious to hear about, firstly, that decision, but also how you foster a young person's passion, no matter what you might think of it as an adult. Okay. It comes down to identifying that each child has their traits that they are really good at and empowering them to use those things um, because they're the things that they're going to rely on in, in later life. So with us having our children, we started in a private school and, yeah, my children, William really struggled in a private school at, the sitting in the classroom, the being attentive, the hours, the eating lunch with everyone else. You know, like if the kid doesn't feel comfortable with noise around, how on earth can he eat and digest his food? So for the rest of the afternoon, he was absolutely wiped out because he was running on empty. And most of the time, he wouldn't eat at school. So it would be breakfast and then we'd have meltdown by the time he came home. You know, we went to a state school and, you know, they were great in their own rights as well. And we spent two years in that, but it was still the same things. It didn't fit my kid. So rather than try and force him to fit into a system where he was constantly failing, we took him out of that system and we created our own school environment that he's thriving in now. So, and it is based on, on what he likes to do and you know, it's become an autonomous process now. So I'm still in my pyjamas and my kid's dressed and ready to do his schoolwork at 8 o'clock and I get in trouble because I'm not ready because if we don't start at 8, then we're not done by 12. And that's, that's my agreement that I've got. You know, at the start of the week, we set up a work contract. And at 10, he knows that if that's not finished by Friday, that's going to eat into Saturday, Sunday. So, I mean, and that's just the formal learning. He does all the other stuff afterwards. You know, like we do um, drama at the Sydney Drama Academy. We do tennis and we've got swimming lessons. So, And then we have our social groups that we meet up with. So it's not as if they don't have a social life and they don't um, play with other kids. You know, we take them to the park. But when you've got kids that don't do well in large groups for long periods of time, this just works out a better option for us. So it's the quality of education, the quality of play, condensed into the amount of time that they can focus for and feel comfortable in. And why do you think it's important to foster a child's passion and area that they enjoy spending time in the most, um, even with adult eyes, if you think, oh, look, that's never going to go anywhere, you know... You maybe want to get real and get a job as life goes on and that sort of thing. Why is it important to let, to, to foster that and have them follow that creative passion no matter what? Work should be play. You don't want to be dragging your bum off to work every day and hating every minute of it. 
So as long as he can find some element within his work work life balance, then I'm going to be happy with that. So yeah. I, you know, like it's not about money; it's about how you feel and what you think your needs are. So whatever he chooses is going to be fine, even if he's a very broke artist. It doesn't matter. You know, like I'm always going to have extra broccoli in the fridge <laughs> and extra eggs and all those other things. You know, that's right. You know, like it's there's always going to be that support network there for him. Yeah, um, but you, I mean, you can't not succeed at something if you enjoy it. Yeah. So you that's, know, like you find a way to make it work. That's really beautiful, and I admire um, you know your bravery in, in being you know strong enough to to see and acknowledge what your child needs and to, to be providing that. Because not many people are doing, you know, it's really oh, scary. I just so. switched one sort of crazy for another sort of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I might not do the drop-off in the morning, but, you know, like, I've got to prepare all my resources to submit to the government every 12 months, and they give me feedback, and if I don't do the right thing, and if I haven't got that anecdotal evidence for that last 12 months, then I don't get re-registration. So it's a gift that I can be in a position to do this, and if I don't honour it and don't do it well, then I haven't got that right. Wow, that's amazing. Well, we um, are really excited to, to see and, and hear more from you and, and also um, your beautiful boys as well for the, the future. Something that I'd like to find out more about, um, I guess if we can narrow it down, I'll start with you, Mark, for your top three. We're talking about implementing paleo in, in the home, and I know you guys are really great. Um, just you ooze passion and you have lots of new Why did you ask him? He's never home. <laughs> All right. So, so, Mark, how would you help uh, people uh, in the workplace for example, oh, yeah, you can um, do that. <laughs> we've, got, right. we've got the thumbs up. Um, what is your your top three tips for helping uh, colleagues or friends to implement paleo, the paleo lifestyle? Um, yeah, that's a very good question. As I said before, I think water water is probably the first step because it's it's an easy one. People can understand it, and people usually know that there's stuff in the water that they like to take out. So that's a, a it's a pretty easy win as well. Um, one of the things that I do that um, a lot of people ask me at work because they see that I'm a little bit different to other people. I don't eat the same type of food. I don't ever get sick at work and have a day off and that sort of thing. Um, so they, they tend to ask, what are you doing that's different? And, um, and I just sort of, again, lead, lead by example and explain to them what I'm doing. Um, one of the things about the paleo diet is that it's a concentration on your body burning um, natural fats as an energy source instead of... Um, carbohydrates as an energy source and I explained to him then the advantages of that in a workplace um, because it's sometimes that you you go a very long period of time where you have to work really hard at an office and you don't have an opportunity to go and get something to eat and that sort of thing and you don't go crazy when that happens so there's lots of advantages and, and you can function better your brain can focus better and those sorts of things I try and explain to them the advantages of um, having a, a higher fat um, lower carbohydrate diet like we like we do in terms of the workplace yeah. and, and the, the practicality of that and the fact that I don't have to lug around heaps of lunch like morning tea, lunch, afternoon tea because I'm not really hungry during the day because I've, I've got plenty of energy from the foods that I'm eating. So. One thing I'd like to ask about as well, Mark, and just quickly because we are getting short on time now, but, but you obviously do work you know, a full-on job. How do you then, obviously you've spoken about how, how you do it when you're at work, but how do you then find the balance when you're at home as well? Because obviously you are doing this full-on job, but then you've got to go home and have time with the kids and time to play and to exercise and to get your great food and all those sort of things. You know, how do you fit that into a schedule of a really busy nine-to-five job? Um, yeah, it's, it's a very good question. So, I mean, the typical day is... Leah and I will get up and we will say, what sort of fitness stuff are we going to do this morning? And we just do 20 minutes or half an hour, whatever time we've got, depending on what time we wake up, 
Um, and we, we just try and fit that in and we just do whatever, a bit of whatever we can fit in. Um, We've got four flights of stairs. Yep, so just so run up and down the stairs. run up and down the stairs nice. and that's our warm-up cardio. Inside the house while the kids are still asleep and, and then and then Leah makes breakfast while I get ready for work and then we all eat breakfast together as a family and that's kind of a big deal for us. Mm. You know, meals as a family is a big deal yeah. so we get some quality time in then. Um, always ask the kids about what they're doing for the day and that sort of thing, have some interactions and then head off for work. And then come back in the evening and always, um, what I do with work is if, because uh, I've, I've got the opportunity to do this, is um, finish on time. And if I've got additional work I need to get fitted into the day, I'll do that after the kids go to bed, you know. So um, it's, not, it's not great to upset your sleep rhythms by doing work later in the evening, but that's the way that I get my quality time with the kids, is just to try and spend some time with them at the right time of the day when, when they're awake and they're, you know, they're active and have dinner with them, obviously. And, um, and then afterwards, you know... Um, I do, I do my work, extra work if I need to. So. That's super, and yeah, I think balance is the key, and, and it's always shifting, so it's like juggling with balls in the air and, uh, you know, keep trialling and, and working out what works for you and rely on your community and people around you. Um, thank you so much to our campers who asked questions and also to Leah and Mark for sharing with us. Um, Can just... I get a high five? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> joining us until next week check us out on facebook and instagram share your story and help to grow the paleo tribe worldwide this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash the wellness couch subscribe to each show on itunes and check us out on twitter the wellness couch streaming wellness into your lives Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.